Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Sunday, October 16th. And if you have not listened to yesterday's episode, you have to go back and do that because today it's part two of my interview with filmmaker Abigail Disney. She's out with a new documentary. It's called The American Dream and Other Fairy Tales. And in this second part of the interview, we talk about how uh, she profiled four Disneyland custodians from 2018 to the present. And she is uh, quite interesting in terms of her ideas around what has happened in corporate America and how inequality has exploded in the last uh, basically 30, 40 years. So here is the second part of my interview with Abigail Disney. Corporate responsibility to the community in which you existed, to the workers, to the customers, and to the shareholders. And there were four, sort of like this four pillars. At that time, there was probably somewhat of an equal. And if anything, I didn't hear a ton about shareholder class in 50s and 60s and 70s. My grandfather was an executive of a retailing company that was public. I don't really remember him talking except to say I hate analysts, but that was the only thing. I didn't even know what that meant. The shift to the primacy of the shareholder comes as this economist kind of bursts on the scene. So can you talk a little bit about that? You know, Milton Friedman um, wrote this piece in 1970 that was on the opinion page of the New York Times. In two years before, Time magazine had called him a kook. And so that, that'll give you a sense of just out of nowhere, how out of nowhere he came with that piece. But for some reason, the New York Times ran this piece very, very prominently that the social responsibility of business was simply to deliver profits to shareholders or value to shareholders or whatever the language was that he used. And if you read the piece, it, the language of it is very partisan. It's very sarcastic and dark. Um, so he talks about like whatever is the latest flavor of the month that the CEOs are following, you know, like the environment and silly things like this. I mean, I understand where he's coming from, 
because it's very hard to measure social justice and delivering on social value. And part of what he was saying was, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist and it really doesn't matter. The only thing you can measure is the rise and fall of share prices. And since shareholders own companies, technically, then they hire and fire their bosses. I mean, the boss of the company, the CEO, and they should be rewarded for risking their capital in ownership. Um, And that's the end of that. And if everyone just pays attention to that one thing, the economy will fire on all cylinders and everybody will be fine. The value will trickle down to the people at the bottom and everyone will be fine. There There was a little bit of a subtext in that, which was everyone has to work hard for themselves. And so if you don't have a lot of money, you're just not working hard enough everybody's in it for themselves. Mm -hmm. This is not a cooperative enterprise. Society is not something for groups or interdependence or any of that. We live only for ourselves. And the best way to serve everyone else is to serve ourselves. So now we go into 2018 when these folks at the park in California contact you and they're struggling because they have gone through decades where they've put their sweat equity in I don't know, like they are just getting killed and the tax codes against them. They have great promises of, you know, you get education and you get health care, but they're not being paid a living wage. And at that time, the starting, let's say the entry was what? How much? Twelve bucks an hour? Fourteen? At the time in 2018 was eleven twenty five. Okay, eleven bucks an hour. And at that time, I guess we have Bob Iger, who's the CEO, who's making tens of zillions of dollars. Now you come on the scene and you start talking to these people in real time, 2018, 19, and you go back during the pandemic. And what did you learn in that period? It was visceral for me, the difference between $66 million and $12 an hour, $11 an hour. Um, It was enraging to me, honestly, because I don't understand how you rest Mm -hmm. your head on the pillow at night, um, knowing that that the people who contributed to all the profits for which you're being rewarded for, and in many ways, he was being rewarded specifically for suppressing the pay of those very people that they can't put food on the table. It just, it just, it, it was so, I, I keep saying that like, if you, if it hits you in your stomach in a way that you don't have words for, then it's really important and you need to listen to it. That gut is your conscience. It does not sit right with mm. me. Um, to watch people who can't put food on the table contribute to a profitable business full time and do everything society tells them to do. Um, it just isn't right. And so it's interesting to me because you have like the Eisner period as a CEO, you have the Iger period and now you have the Chapik period, whatever. They're all paid gazillions of dollars. And I work for a media company where the bosses are also paid gazillions of dollars. I don't think that we in certain aspects of like the news media have as many entry level people as you were talking to. We have a bunch, but, you know, not as many. Um, I pulled up this Robert Iger quote. I happened to listen to a podcast he was on. He prattled on about such nonsense and he is being lauded as like the best human being in the world right now. He's very handsome. I get it. But like, really, it's enough. So here's the quote. I think it's incredibly important to be open and accessible and treat people fairly. And look them in the eye and tell them what is on your mind. What would you like to tell Robert Iger right now? What's on your mind? You know, I've had people say to me that he's such a nice man and he's the nicest CEO in America and all of that. It is not a high enough bar in life to be nice, right? There is a big difference Mm. between being nice and being good. 
And being good involves you going yeah. past, being pleasing to everyone and saying like, there is something fundamentally wrong with this structure and we need to change it. Even if it comes at risk to my own self, my reputation, my long-term well-being. That's what people do if they want to be thought of as good, not nice. What would you want to happen right now in this organization to help the people at the bottom be lifted up? Does it have to come at shareholder expense? Tell me if this is at shareholder expense. In the, in the eight years pre, up to 2018, over $8 billion in share buybacks. What if mm, $4 billion yeah. of those were share buybacks and the other $4 billion went to enhancing not just the pay of people, but helping them with things like overwhelming hours and less dynamic scheduling and making sure the healthcare covered everybody. Is that at shareholder expense or is that at the expense of shareholders just getting everything all the time? So, so what we need yeah. is for there to be a shift in sensibility and a, and a re-engaging with the idea that if we were architects and we had built a house that was this economy, we forgot people live in the house, right? And we need to go back to the foundations and really, really think it through one more time. I'm not talking about something crazy here. Corporations in the past have run on the assumption that labor should cost some money. And now corporations are run yeah. on the assumption that labor should cost as little as possible as you can legally get away with. That's what needs to change. How do you think in this environment, you know, we've come through a pandemic. I, I guess that I was maybe a bit Pollyanna-ish as we came through the pandemic, um, as I was reporting and people, you know, were lining up, you know, for food banks and and the government did kind of come through and be like, OK, we are going to protect people. And it did lift people up. We really did get a lot of people out of poverty. Is there any optimism that you hold coming out of that darkness? First, I want to remind people that the corporations who laid people off and, and suggested people they go file for unemployment are the same corporations that were trying to pay as little in taxes in the years leading up to that moment. And so they were saying, go rely on the government, the government we tried to eviscerate while you weren't looking. So first of all, so that's a negative thing. I am very positive. 1125 was where we started, and then it went to 15 pretty quickly, and then 1850, because the unions are feeling empowered, and people are speaking up, and it got really good. And just last month, the hotel maids in Anaheim agreed to a contract at 2350 an hour. That is amazing. And I want to believe, I want to take a little credit for it, that maybe I've made their lives hard enough. Um, but it means there's mobility. It means there's room for that. If that's what they're doing for hotel maids, just wait and see what comes, because that is always the bottom of the totem pole. It shouldn't be, but it is. And so I'm hopeful that corporations are beginning to feel the retention problems enough, and they're beginning to understand that they can't lowball people anymore. They can't treat them like they're replaceable cogs, um, and that people matter, and that churn costs companies. You can't just keep replacing people. Churn is expensive. I really do think that there are people who are starting to get this, but it just has to make sense on paper movement might just be giving way to something more humane. And there really is a credible B corporation, reform capitalism, public benefit corporation kind of movement out there, really rigorous intellectuals who are studying this and writing about this 
I believe in that movement. And that's where I want to spend my energy going forward. Last question. You ended the film with to be continued. What's next? There is a different story to be told. And and that's what drives this country more than anything is the narratives and the stories that we invest in. So I would love to change this company. If I have to do it a little at a time or a lot all at once, I don't care. I'm going to do what I need to do. If you want to check out the documentary, it's streaming on a bunch of different places, Amazon, Google Play, just Google it and you will find it. It's again, it's the American dream and other fairy tales. Check it out. It was really interesting. And also there's a great little economics lesson right in the middle of this. So if you slept through Econ 101, this is a good refresher for you. Okay, that is it. That's the program. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple. Grit, growth, grace. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.